and foremost, we're going to have the slide for today. On Sunday was our Easter celebration or resurrection service. And the theme of the service, can anybody remember what the theme was? The theme of the service? The theme of the service. I didn't say the topic of Sunday's teaching. Amen. Alright, let's have Sister Shema. What was the teaching on Sunday? What was the teaching on Sunday? Blessed as resurrection. And what was the theme of Sunday? The ultimate experience. Let's clap for Sister Shema there. Amen. Alright, we had this thing which keeps resonating in my heart all through the week. The ultimate experience. So let's please turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 10. If you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 3, we'll read from verse 10. And we're going to read from the New Living Translation. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the New Living Translation. Let's read together. Philippians 3, verse 10. Let's just read together. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Let's read verse 11 with it. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so this evening, we're going to go deeper into Sunday's message. And we're going to look at the ultimate experience in itself. Praise the name of the Lord. Why don't you celebrate the word before it comes? Amen. The ultimate experience as we're still in the season of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we go into it, we'll just have a little recap of what we had on Sunday so that we can blend in very easily for the sake of those who are not around so that we can blend in very easily and go into what the ultimate experience itself is all about. One way we ended Sunday's service was to remind ourselves that one way or the other, we partook in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Can, we, can somebody remember that part? And first, we first started by establishing one or three of the major feasts that were celebrated as far as the Jewish customs were concerned. Can somebody remind us what the three were? The first was what? The first was the Passover, which we also said was also called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. The second feast was what? The Sabbath. And we went to remind ourselves where God himself commanded the children of Israel that six days you will walk, on the seventh day you will do what? You will rest, because it will be a solemn convocation before me. And the third feast we said was what? The feast of the first fruit. Are we in sync? So we did explain that that feast was celebrated so that the children of Israel will remember that God first and foremost spared their own firstborn when they were in Egypt, and that God also instituted the first fruit so that it will remind everyone that he has the power to do what? To keep the rest or bless the rest. Am I alone here? Can we still remember that? And then we went ahead to establish these three events and we went to also talk about when these events usually held. Um, all of them held at the beginning of the year and they all fall concurrently holding one at a time. And so we dwelt much more on the first fruit and reminding ourselves that even as new Christians, Romans did remind us that if the first fruit is holy, then the rest will be what? Will be holy. And it's also a way to encourage everyone, if you are not a believer of it, if you, by that teaching, will have a good understanding of why you pay your first fruit. We've heard doctrines that come against it. But God in himself instituted it. If you trust him enough, you will believe him enough to do what he has instituted us to do. 
I remember personally, I never grew up in a church where first fruit was believed in, but it got to me as a personal experience with God. And it was then I began to read deeper what it actually meant. I remember when I was seven, as some of us will do, I was posted to a remote village. I expected to be a teacher. And so at some point, I was able to get another primary assignment in the field of my study. So I remembered going to the coordinator. I've forgotten what they call them now. I've forgotten what they call them. So for as many that had other offerings, all you needed to do is to go to the coordinator, then he will reassign you, which was usually done. So he will issue a letter and reassign you to wherever you wanted to go. So I had a very good offer, and definitely that offer was going to pay twice as much, or if not three times where I was supposed to be. So I went to him like every other person. The innocent me, I never knew that for everybody that goes to meet him, you have to cut a deal how much you're going to give him as part of his own court before he could issue you a letter. So I went with just whole sincerity, and I met him that I needed to be, you know, re he should reassign. But he declined. He would refuse to give me the letter and I was about the only person this man would give the letter. So it came as a burden to me. So I remembered in the camp then I decided to fast and pray about the matter. So I fasted and prayed. On the last day of my fast, on the last day of my fast, as I knelt down to pray, and I said to God, if you can turn this man's heart around, because it wasn't looking as if his heart was going to be turned around. And it was about the time the posting will be done and he can leave the whole place and then come back wherever he wants to. And I said to God, if you let this man change his mind, I'm going to give you the first of that salary. Never had anybody told me or taught me about the first fruit. It was a covenant or a a, a, a pledge I had with God. If you can turn this mad heart around, which I'm not sure is going to turn around, it never looked as if it was going to turn. That reminds us that the heart of every man is in whose hand? In the hand of God. He says he tossed the heart of kings to and fro whither he wish. And so I prayed to God and I said, if you will turn its heart around, I'm going to give you that first salary just as it is. And I never went back to meet the man. And just a day before he left, somebody came to the lodge where we stayed and said, the man is looking for me. And so I hurriedly went and met him. And he was just about leaving. And he said, I was looking for you everywhere. Where have you been? In fact, if you had not come this moment, I would have just gone. He said, where is that your letter? Let me just sign and leave. I never paid him a cover. He signed and I had that job. And I was faithful to the promise I made. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And as God will have it, not only did I start that job, just before I finished, I had another job offer that paid even three times of what I had. And in fact, as far as my local government was concerned, I was the richest copper that was ever known to man. Praise the Lord. And if you ask me how much combined that I collected, I dare not say it at this point. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So that goes to tell us that God himself is faithful to whatsoever he says. And we said the, issue, the, the real reason why we pay the first fruit is so that God will guarantee the blessings of everything that comes afterwards. And as we went on with that teaching, we went to, di- we went to discover that Jesus himself was a form of the first fruit to God. Remember that. And we said, if Jesus was a form of the first fruit to God, how did the event in itself unfold? And we got to discover that just as the Friday where he was crucified, that we discovered according to the scriptures that that Friday was the day of preparation for Passover. And it was also the day of preparation for Sabbath. And as the events will unfold, the day after Sabbath is usually where the feast of the first fruit is held. And so we discovered that not only was Jesus resurrected on that day, he became the first fruit of the dead. So God himself picked up Jesus as a first fruit so that every other child or every other son or every other person that will resurrect after him will become the blessed of that line. Amen. And so we discovered at the end 
that we became the line of that blessing because we were crucified with him by baptism in Christ and just as we resurrected, we became a part of that lineage which was the blessing of Abraham. So that the scripture which we read on Sunday that cursed is any man who is who, is, who, who hangs on the tree so that what? The blessings of Abraham may come upon who? We the Gentiles. And so we left here with that understanding that we were actually blessed at when? At resurrection. So the blessings of Abraham was released to everyone at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No wonder the scripture says, for he went in and he took the keys of hell and victory was ours and so shall it be in the name of Jesus. I say so shall it be in the name of Jesus. And so this evening, we're going to look at that ultimate experience, which is the power in his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of that resurrection, that I may know Jesus Christ and experience that power, the power that lies in that resurrection. So we're going to dig deep, deeper deep this evening and look at the experience of that resurrection. That resurrection created an experience for us, which means it gives us a sense of power. It gives us a sense that we are blessed. So we cannot be shaken by anything that comes our way because we have that understanding that we were what? We are blessed. On Sunday, or was it on Sunday or Saturday, a friend of mine sent me a text the day before. First and foremost, he said, have a safe trip. Be careful all through this Easter period. And what I had in mind was maybe one of those general messages, drive safe and all the rest. Until she called me on the Sunday and said to me, please, I need you. Are you traveling this holiday? I said, no, I'm not traveling. And I said, okay, in case you're traveling, I thought you were traveling. Please, in case you are traveling, I just want you to be careful because I had a terrible dream about you that you died in an accident and all the rest. I said, okay, God be praised. Since I'm doing travel, at least I'm still alive. I said to her, what did you do after the, the dream? He said, well, I was waiting for the morning so that I could call you. I said, did you pray for me after that dream? He said, well, I just told a friend who now told me to call you. I said, so you did not even pray for me after having the dream. Praise the Lord. And I remember what she said. He said, you don't really take anything serious. Unknowing for her, the only thing that, re- that was ringing in my heart was, it is impossible for that to happen to me because I feel I have the power of the Lord reigning in me. Praise the Lord. So she said, what if it happens? I said, if it happens, then it is the will of God. Will I be scared about it? I wasn't scared a bit. If it is accident, well, that I may know him and the power of his words, of his resurrection. Things, we're going to go into God's word and you're going to see that that resurrection gives you power over fear and death. The scripture says that the last man to be defeated when Jesus conquered was called what? Was death. He said death will be the last person he will conquer. And so we're going to delve deeper discipline and have that experience that's going to give us a deeper understanding of who we are what we are and the experience we're going to face afterwards. Praise the name of the Lord. So to make this interactive, I have I have divided the experience into five major experiences. I've titled them into five major experiences. So to make it interactive, I'm going to try to let every one of us give or title it the way we can so that we can, we can make it interactive and then we're going to get to a conclusion on what the experience or the title is going to be. Praise the Lord. So first and foremost, let's turn our scriptures to First Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. And this is what the Lord says. So he says, but now Christ is risen from the what? From the dead. Is that news to us now? It's no more news. We all know that. And has become the first fruit of those who what? Who slept. Now go to verse 26. Verse 26 then says, verse 26, I want us to read this together. It says, if you read verse, 
maybe 25, it says, For Christ will reign and he will defeat his enemies. So he was talking about the conquest of Jesus Christ. And verse 26 then says, And the last enemy that will be destroyed is a what? The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? Is death. I want you to hold that in your mind. The last enemy that will be destroyed is called death. Now, this death is usually not the physical death. Remember, he says, for the wages of sin is what? Is death. The death was actually separation from man. For by one man, sin entered the world. For And by one man as well, what? Life also entered the world. So he said, for the last man or the last enemy that will be defeated will be called death. So separation came into the world by the reason of that death. And that is why when Jesus died and said it was finished, the veil in itself rendered into two, which means we cannot have access to God. So let's look at what the resurrection power itself brings to us as Christians. So as we read each subject, I want us to entitle it or give it a subject. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55. This is where we're going to start this evening. First Corinthians 15 55. He says, O death, where is your sting? And O head, where is your victory? Verse 56. 56 then says, the sting of death is what? Is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Verse 50, next verse, verse 57. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us what? Victory. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to what? To God who gives us what? Victory. What if Jesus had not died? So it means we still wouldn't have had power over death. We still wouldn't have had power over so many things in our lives. But it says, thanks be to God by the reason of his resurrection. The resurrection power gives us victory over death. And so he says, thanks be to God who gives us what? Victory. So during this period, you will need to work with that mentality that we have what? Victory in all areas. We have to work with that mentality that we have what? Victory in all areas. Remember when we were ending the service on Sunday, we got to know that this walking in the blessing of the Lord is a mind thing. Remember, where we had some ministers or some people come here and we asked them if they could partake in that blessing. We discovered that so many of us did not know we were in line of that blessing until we read where the scripture says, for we also partook in his death. So also in this season, we need to understand that the, the death of Jesus bring, brought the victory we have or we enjoy as Christians. So it wasn't just Jesus coming to die, but his resurrection was the beginning of victory over everything we have to do. Amen. Now, let me share a little testimony. On, on, was it on, on Thursday? Thursday was the last day of the week. And there was something we went to do in the office. And personally, it was something personal to me as well. And on that Thursday, we got there and we got to find out that we weren't, we, we were sent back, basically, that we were not going to have what we had. And this is something I had discussed with my colleague. It was something we weren't sure we're going to have, whether they're going to approve for us to have that from the office. But as my colleague was expressing his fears to me, without discussing it, and he said, are you sure this thing is going to fly? Are you sure they're going to sign? Are you sure we're going to have it? And I said to him, I have seen myself in my mind there already. And so there is nothing that is going to stop us. You could see the excitement that came from his face when I said those words. So I said to him, I have seen myself there, so there's nothing that is going to stop us. So he should not fret that we're going to be there. So when it came to a point we needed to get approval for what we wanted to do, and usually, trust me, for us to get that approval, because it will require the MD to sign, it will take you at least two weeks for us to get what we needed to get. And somehow, the people we wanted to work with called us a day earlier and said, if we are ready to go to where we want to go, we need to go tomorrow, which is Thursday. Now, they called us on Wednesday. At that point, we only started signing that thing on Wednesday, that same Wednesday. How can we get what we wanted to get that's supposed to take us two weeks? But the guy came back to me and said, 
the, thing, the only thing that came to my mind is I have given this guy a sure word of, you know, of confidence. And he has gotten the way he sees me or look at me. Usually they call me, they call me bishop in my office anyways. So how will he say bishop told me it is well and it's not well? So that was the only thing that came to my mind. And I went to, to meet God. I said, well, if we fail in this thing, it is not my shame. After all, it is your what? It is your shame. But I can tell you, as I was walking into church this evening, the whole scenario still played in my mind how God did it. Now, what should have equally or naturally taken us two weeks was signed within a night. Amen. Was signed within a what? Within a night. How God did it, I do not know. But I kept going in that atmosphere of victory. That if God said it, I already see myself there. And so it's going to be. And so even when we got the certificate or the document signed, it still got to the place where we're supposed to get what we're supposed to get. And it still turned us back. And I was still going. And I knew the guy was following me everywhere. He's still going to come back and say, what is this that we are getting ourselves into? And I still kept holding that word that the Lord has given us victory. And so every fear that we have is something that we have gotten within us. And I've gotten to a point where I always say to myself, if God fails, it is not me that fail anyways. So if I pray to him and I have that assurance from him, so if he fails, is it my disgrace? No, is it my disgrace? But God can never fail. That we know. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And so finally, what we've been seeking for, yesterday we finally got to the end of it. And God's name be praised. So, but the scripture says, but thanks be to God who has given us victory over us through Christ. How did he give us victory through Jesus Christ? How did we get victory through Jesus Christ? By the resurrection. At that resurrection, he conquered hell. He conquered every fear and he conquered even death. So, if we have to tag the first point of our resurrection or what we get from resurrection, what we will naturally target this time? Let me hear you. We're looking at five points. So this evening, by, by reason of 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57, what is the first experience that God is giving you in this resurrection period? It's victory. Victory from every aspect of our life by the power of his resurrection. Let's praise the name of the Lord for that. Amen. God be praised. So let's remind ourselves, we'll continue to walk in that understanding that God has given us victory over everything. And let's try to challenge God sometimes. Let's try to challenge God. Recently, I've learned to try to put God's word into test. Putting God's word into test. If God says it, I've done my best and I have prayed and I have an assurance. Let the word of the Lord be the lie. And which we know can never lie. Do you know, I've, the, the reality sometimes is, most times we always hinge what God is about to do as if our lives all depend on it. But what if God doesn't do it? Maybe he has something better for us. Amen? During... During the last two weeks, when the senior pastor started the turning point, one of the things that struck my mind in the house fellowship, and thank God Sister Allah put it up in her, in her status the following, that same evening, and I kept thinking of it, the turning point we were expecting. What if, when, when the senior pastor came said, there's going to be a turning point. So it is natural for us to find our biggest desires and place it before God as a turning point. Is that correct? So if God would do this, then I now have the word, the turning point. So if having a job is your biggest desire, and you say, God, if you can just do this one and only last thing. So what if God does it? Will that be the end of it? Will that be the end of it? So somebody just said in the house fellowship, I said, that turning point you're expecting now, is not the end of that means. It wasn't how he put it. So that God is a work in continuity. So he, he meets you at every turning point till the end of our lives. Amen. So we, we don't feel sick when God doesn't do it now. Because we know it's an everyday life, an everyday journey with him. But in all this, we know that we are more than conquerors. Praise the name of the Lord. 
So number one, the ultimate experience by his resurrection gives us what? Victory. Now, let's say it louder. Victory. So let's go to number two. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to verse 41 and verse 43. Verse 41 to verse 43. Now he says, There is one glory in the sun, another glory in the moon, then another glory in the stars. For one star differs from another. Next verse. He says, so also is the what? Resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in what? Corruption. But it is raised in what? In corruption. Next verse. It says, it's sown in what? Dishonor. And it is raised in what? In glory. It says, it is sown in what? In weakness. But it is raised in what? In power. So when we have whatever weakness we have, and then we cling to God in all his suffering, in experiencing God. What he's saying, that there are different glories of resurrection. So, you, it can come to you as a dishonor, but when you cast it to the Lord, and he sows it, by the time you are resurrecting with it, what will you be resurrecting with? In glory. Amen. So when I have my cares upon him, all I need to do and say to him in this period, you are the resurrection and the life. If I have any weakness, I cast it to you. If you die with it, good enough. But I know when joy is going to come in the morning, so when there's going to be a, a, a raising up, it's going to be what? With power and with glory. Praise the name of the Lord. So if I saw it in dishonor, what am I going to reap? I'm going to reap it in what? In glory. So if I give him my weakness, then I'm going to raise it in what? In power. Verse 44. 44 says, if we saw it in natural body, we're going to raise it in the supernatural. But let's stop there at verse 43. So he says in 43, he says, if we saw our weaknesses, so whatsoever we need to God in dishonor or whatsoever, it may be what, it may be something that is, um, is, a shame to you. But God is saying, in this period of understanding the power of his resurrection, we are going to experience him in his words, in his glory. If you give it to him and sow it to him, it may be our weaknesses or whatsoever. Be rest assured that you are going to repeat in words, in power. So let me ask you now, let's just subtitle the next thing we can get by the resurrection power and the ultimate experience. What will you title it? Some people say glory, some people say power. Can we join them together? So if we have glory here, we have power here. In oneness, we have what? Glory and what? And power. Give God praise in the house of the Lord. So we go back with these experiences that we're going to reap up everything in glory. It may be anything we are suffering now. But just know, when God visits you, when your turning point comes, which also falls in the season of his resurrection, we're going to receive every dishonor that we have received. God is going to glorify us in the name of Jesus. And every weakness that we may have been experiencing, God is going to give us and grant us great power in the name of Jesus. Is that all the amen you have? Amen. amen. Alright, let's title another one, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Now, this is what it says. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. Now, let's now go to verse 16. He says, if the spirit that raised Jesus Christ dwells in you. Pastor Steve, while wrapping up on Sunday during his, um, during his announcements, quoted that scripture, and I really liked it. He says, for the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from death dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from death does what? dwells in you. Now you are reading it casually because you don't understand the spirit that raised him from death. When Jesus was about to be raised from death, even when before he died, when we were watching the movie on Sunday, I really loved that concept that created the 
earthquake when Jesus was about to die. Can somebody remember? That shows the concept of genuity in their thinking. It shows that God, God was, was, God was doing what? God's tears dropped from heaven. It was just a concept that shows the tears of God dropping from heaven. And when it landed, it turned to a what? An earthquake. He says, if the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from death. Now, try to imagine the spirit of God raising someone from death. I was listening to somebody joking about something when this video was all around town. That a pastor raised somebody from death, which we do not actually know the authenticity. And somebody did say, in Africa, when a man r- rises from death, usually every black man runs away. Praise the Lord. So, but in reality, if a man will be raised from death, do you think it's going to be just a little power that will raise such a person from death? It's going to be a great power that has the ability to raise such a person from death. Now, Romans was saying that is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from death that also dwells within us. Verse 11. Now, let's look at what he now says in verse 16. He says, that power raised Jesus Christ from death. That power that raised Jesus Christ from death, he says, he calls it the spirit that raised him from death. He says, the same spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the what? Children of God. Remember we said on Sunday that Jesus Christ was the firstborn, which means we qualify as maybe the second, the third. I don't know what position you are, but on Sunday I stood as a what? As a secondborn. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I stood as a secondborn, so I don't know what position you are. So he says, the same spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, bears witness that you are a what? A child of God. Now, if you are a child of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from death is telling you you are a child of God. If you are indeed a child of God and you've experienced that resurrection power, verse 17, let somebody help us verse 17. He says, not only are you a child, you are also what? Children. Then what? Then what? No, then hairs first, then what? Hairs of God. Then after you are a hair of God, you are what? Can you see the graduation? First and foremost, he said you are a child of God. So you can be a child but have no access to inheritance. Now, this was clearly explaining how, remember there was a time we spoke about adoption. This is basically what he was saying. So he said, first he made you a child, then children, then he qualified you as a hair. And also then a hair of God. And then what? A joint hairs with Christ. And he's now saying if you are a joint hair with Christ. If you indeed suffer with him. That you may also be what? Glorified with him. So he said he has qualified you to become a joint hair with Christ. Does anybody here have a joint account whatsoever? If you ever haven't to have a joint account, which means two people must sign or the two of them have access to that account. So if one person signs, the other person must do what? Must sign. So which means whatsoever comes, anyhow they want to share it, but basically they have the same power overall. Or let's just put a competition where we'll have two people tied, right? So we say they are joint what? Winners. If there's one cup, it means two of them are what? Entitled to that cup. If there's a if there's a cash gift, if it's a twenty thousand naira prize, it means they can both be what be accessible to that amount. Now he's saying that not only did we become heirs with Christ, we became what joint heirs with Him. So it means we have an inheritance with God. Bible says when He raised Jesus Christ from death, He sat Him at the right side of God, which also means we, if we are also really joint heirs with Christ, which means we have access to what Jesus Christ also has. So if Jesus is blessed, it means we must believe that we are what? We are blessed. If Jesus was healed, we must believe that we are what? We are healed. If Jesus was, was, uh, what else can you give me now? If Jesus was victorious in all he did, which means we are also entitled to be what? Victorious. So the resurrection experience reminds us that we are what? 
joined hands with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. I said praise the name of the Lord. So at this point, can somebody give us a title on that? Sir? Joint heads with what? With Christ. Does anybody have another title? Something, something else? Any other person? Harry with God. Praise the Lord. Heads with Christ. So we can hold it that the resurrection gives us opportunity to be what? Joint heads with Christ. Let's celebrate God with his, in his glory. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is the part I love. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Let's go to, what number are we now? What number are we? Number 4. Now, let's go to number 4. Now, this may be a little difficult for you to give a title to, but we'll try as much as we can. Ephesians 1 verse 18. He says that the eyes of your understanding may be opened, that ye may what? Know what the hope of his calling is, and what is the riches of of his glory in his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. Verse 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who was believed according to the working of his mighty power? Verse 20. Now, he's saying verse 20, which all this he walked when, when Jesus did was when Jesus was raised from the dead. So, when you hear the riches of his inheritance, it was gotten when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, after Jesus was raised from the dead, what was the next thing that God did? He seated him where? He seated him where? At where? His right hand. Where? In what? Where is this heavenly places? Far above principalities and powers. Amen. Those that know Bible are going ahead. Amen. So where is this heavenly places? Is it in heaven? Is it in heaven? No, no, we are not sure. So he says, for he gave Jesus all this inheritance and sat him in heavenly places far above principalities and power. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think you can also be seated in the same place? Can somebody prove to me that you are also seated in the same place? No, anybody. The mic will go around now. Can somebody prove to me somehow that you are also seated in the heavenly places far above principalities and power? Remember, the Bible says that we are joint heads with Christ. Did we agree with that? So we are joint heads with him. So we, if we are joint heads with him, it's possible where he's seated, we are also seated. So can somebody prove that we are also seated with God in his right hand, in heavenly places? Anybody? Any scripture or reference you can use? Now we first believe that we are joined with Christ. We all said amen. Now the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand side of God, far above principalities and powers. Any scripture to prove that we are enjoying the same thing with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's appreciate Minister Mayaki as he bails everyone out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says that as Christians, our lives are hidden in Christ, Christ in God. So if we are in Christ, then we are also seated where he seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's appreciate him, please. Let's appreciate him. He said the Bible says, for we are hidden in Christ. So wherever Jesus is going, he is carrying us along. Is that not a simple, is that not simple enough? No, is that not simple enough? Praise the Lord. Any other person? Okay, let's hear Sister Lydie. Praise God. Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright, that's exactly the scripture I'm looking for. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at it together. Let's start from verse 4. Ephesians 2 verse 4. The Bible says, for Jesus is seated in heavenly places by what he enjoyed at the resurrection. Now, let's read this together. I say, but God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love which he loved us. Verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us what? Alive together with who? With Christ. By grace he are saved. Just like Minister Mayaki said. In verse 6, what did he say? Let's read together now. And raise us up together. And make us sit where? Now, when he says he raised up together, together with who? With Christ. And made us to do what? To sit where? In heavenly places. So, God has given us that opportunity to sit where? In the same heavenly places so that we can enjoy whatsoever he enjoys. Now, I keep telling people, these things that we talk about, it's a mind thing. You must believe it in your mind. You can only exercise it when you are when things are thrown at you. And you must be able to walk in that light. There are times where things may not go right, but you need to remind yourself that you are seated in heavenly places. You know, as a king, you can fight in a war and you lose your crown. But does that make you less of a king? What reminds you that you are a king? Is it the crown? Is it the crown? If you are in the war, do you go with your crown? But if you are a king in a war, does that take away that you are a king? Can they identify you by your crown? No, they can't. Because you keep your crown at home. Or you can even be fighting with a crown and the crown goes out. But what tells you that you are a king? What reminds you that you are a king? It is because you know that you are what? You are a king. And in reality, the, the trials of life have taken away our crown, have fallen our crowns. And so we are still fighting the war as ordinary soldiers. But in that war, you must remember that you are still a king in the house of the Lord. That irrespective of what happens, you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And so as God had that victory, that victory also belongs to everyone in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. I say praise the name of the Lord. Alright, that's number five. And who can title that for us before we go to the last one? Who can title that for us? Seated where? In heavenly places. Are we going home with that? That by the reason of God's resurrection, we are what? Seated in heavenly places. Does somebody have something contrary? Okay. Seated with Christ in what? In heavenly places. Any other person? Sir? Royalty with Christ. Amen. Please let's clap for my wife. Royalty with Christ. Please clap for her. Clap for her. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so, sir? Raised up with Christ. So if you ask me which one I will take is royalty with Christ. Praise the Lord. All in, all in support of that. Say I. All against it. Say nay. I think the eyes have it. Anyways, praise the Lord. Amen. So, our point number four is what? Royalty in Christ. Amen. Alright, we'll run through the fifth one. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. Hebrews 2, verse 14. The ultimate experience is understanding who we are and what God or what heaven released to us at the resurrection of Christ. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 2, verse 14. Alright, this is what it says. It says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, which we have, he himself, which is Jesus Christ, likewise shared in the same, that through his death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. Remember we said in the beginning, that what was the last enemy? Who was the last enemy? Who was the last enemy? He says, Inasmuch then, we who are the children, we have now become partakers of his flesh and blood as the matter of partaking in his death. He himself, which is Jesus Christ, shared in the same that through that death, we might destroy him that had the power of what? Death. Who is the what? The devil. Who is the who? Who had power over death before now? Verse 15. Let's read 15. And 
release those who through what? Through fear of what? Do you fear death before now? It says those who through the fear of death were in their lifetime subject to what? To bondage. Verse 16. It says for verily for indeed he does not give the aid to angels but he does give the aid to who? On Sunday we said for the blessing of Abraham have come upon us. He says, for he did not give the aid to angels, but he gave it to who? To the seed of who? Abraham. You don't seem to understand what he's saying. He's saying, before now, we were, got, we were in a point where we are afraid of death. Even till now, we are afraid of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We are so fearful of what tomorrow holds. What is going to happen tomorrow, we don't know. Are we going to have what we expect and of tomorrow? We don't know. We are only praying and we are hoping. But there is a glimpse of fear because we are not sure of what we are going to have. So he says, the only person that brought that power over you before now was the devil. He says, he was able to do that. Verse, I think verse 16 it says, And through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who through the fear of death... So he calls it the fear of death. So he's not even talking about the reality of the death. So what we are afraid of is more of the fear and not the reality. So we are afraid of tomorrow because there is nowhere is written to us that we are the seed of Abraham before now. So before now we are living as Gentiles. We are not sure of tomorrow. But he says that experience, that encounter placed us to have the mindset that we are what? The seeds of Abraham. So I don't know what we are afraid of, which it's normal we can be afraid. But Hebrews is reminding us that he had placed these things, not in the hands of angels, but he gives that aid to the seed of who? To Abraham. To remind you that you do not have to be afraid of tomorrow. We say it is finished, but we are still afraid of what is still remaining. What is remaining is what we think in our mind that is remaining. But Christ on that cross said it was, it was what? It is finished. So death is finished. The fear of tomorrow is finished. The, the uncertainty of tomorrow is finished. What you fear most, the Bible says, is only the fear of death. And it says death is the last thing that is, he was going to conquer and which he did conquer. And he has placed that victory on us who are the seed of what? Of Abraham. Praise the Lord. And so he's reminding us Christ died and he died and he gave us victory. And not only did he give us victory, he placed us the victory in the hands of those who he called the seed of Abraham. Tell your neighbor, you are the seed of Abraham. I said, tell your neighbor, you are the seed of Abraham. So what originally was a bondage to us? He says, for he has liberated us from bondage. He has liberated us from the bondage of the fear of death. And he has now put us in the place of plenty, making us joint heads with him and also reminding us that we are the seed of Abraham. And so in this resurrection period, you need to remind yourself that I am blessed beyond measures. The, pastor, the senior pastor once taught us that we are so, so special. Not only are we so, so special, but we are reminded by his resurrection that we are also so, so blessed. Irrespective of where you are today, God has blessed us beyond measures and we are all going to walk into that plenty in the name of Jesus. So he says, for he has liberated us from bondage and he has entrusted to us who are the seed of Abraham, the blessing that he has aforetime for us. And that in itself is going to be a portion in the name of Jesus. I said that will be a portion in the name of Jesus. So verse 15, and he has delivered us from the fear of death. Whatsoever may fear you. In fact, this was one of the scriptures I was holding on to when that friend of mine called me on that day. I said, pray very well. I, I, I was dreaming that this Easter that you traveled, you had an accident and you died. And the Bible says, for he has released us from the fear of what? Of fear of death. He has released us from the fear of death. Not so many people, really, will you tell that they die in an accident? Really, they're not going to travel within that period. Amen. 
Is it possible? If somebody tells you he had an accident that you died, will you travel? Let's be, let's be, let's be realistic here. Will you travel? No, will you travel? Somebody close to you tell you, I dreamt that you, are, you traveled and you had an accident. And truly, you have finished packing your bags. Most likely, we are not going to travel, really. Amen. I have an uncle, if he's traveling, he never travels together with his family. No matter how cheap that flight may be, everybody will go on their own what, accord. In fact, he does what Jacob does. He was, the best he does is to split his family into two. Amen. So one side will go with one line. The other side will go with one line. Amen. Never has he ever traveled, will he ever travel with his family together. Talkless of going by road on his... No, 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 he doesn't. Amen. So what is he afraid of? The fear of what? The fear of death. Will you blame him? Because we are not sure of tomorrow. But Hebrews is telling us that we are the seed of Abraham. And nothing will by any means hurt us in the name of Jesus. Say a louder amen to that. So that's going to be the last. Can somebody now title this for us? Now we're going to have trouble with this. If you want to say something, please raise up your hand. Our number four was what? Yes, I need you to have that clue to your head. Amen. Number four was what? Royalty with Christ. So, does anybody want to title this for us? Sir? Who is saying seed of Abraham now? Minister Toby, be bold. Are you saying seed of Abraham? Don't worry, my, my wife will not change it this time. <laughs> yes, let's listen. Victory over death. Victory over death. Another person. Let's have other options. <laughs> blessing assurance blessed assurance or traveling assurance life insurance sister talk where they are selling eight, insurance eight to here. seed of Abraham what did you say what, what? eight to seed of Abraham I, I didn't get you eight to seed of Abraham Aid. Oh, aid to the seed of Abraham. Okay. Let's appreciate her for that. Aid to the seed of Abraham. The first person said what? I didn't get that. Victory over death. Any other person? Mommy says, free from fear. Hallelujah. Let's have one more, then we'll go, we'll choose the best. Any other subject, any other title? Okay, so we have free from fear. Number two. <laughs> Alright, I think she needs to be clapped for. Praise the Lord. Amen. So free free from fear. We also have victory over death and aid to the seed of Abraham. Which one are we going for now? Which one are we going for? Free from aid to the aid to the seed of Abraham. We have victory over death and we have free from fear. Which one are we going for? Free from fear, free from fear, going, going, gone. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's appreciate the Lord. God be praised in Jesus' name. All right, let's run through the five one more time. Now, this is the ultimate experience that during in this season where we have experienced the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the Lord has given us an experience far beyond whatsoever we can ever imagine. He says, I want to know him and experience the same power that raised Jesus Christ from death. And this is what that power gave to us. Number one, we said that power gave us what? I can't hear you. Number two, we said that power also gave us what? The second experience is what? I'm only hearing this side. The second experience is what? Now, number three three experience, we said that victory over death also gives us what? He made us to become what? Joint heirs with Christ. 
And number four, we said it also gives us what? Oh God, I smile at that. Amen. And lastly, we said it gives us what? It makes us to be what? Free from death. Praise the Lord. Why don't you appreciate yourself this evening? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we go, we take, as we close, we take Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, one more time as we bring the service to a close. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, from the New Living Translation. And this is an, this was an earnest prayer that was prayed. And this person says that he has experienced God already, but he wants to know him. And this was Paul speaking. If you read, if you read in, in the earlier version, in the earlier verses, can you go to verse 8? First verse 8. Now, this is Paul's earnest prayers. He says, yes, in everything else, for everything else is what? Is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of knowing who? Jesus Christ. So you see, when we are clouded by what we want, so what we want to achieve, we easily forget how the beauty of knowing Jesus is. The beauty of waking up to say good morning or thank you, Jesus. Paul is saying, for everything else is worthless. For when I compare it to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says, for his sake I have discarded what? Everything. Not so many of us have left so much. But he's saying, even if you have not, have that understanding that some people have discarded so many. Even if it's little that you've discarded for now. He says, for we've discarded so many things. Counting it all as what? Garbages. So that you could what? Gain Christ. Verse 9 went ahead. The same person still praying and says, And become one with him. I no longer count it on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather become righteous through what? Through Jesus Christ. God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. And that is where the last the, the verse for today says. He says, I want to what? Know him. Is this your earnest desire? Let's read it aloud. I want to what? Know him. I want to what? Know Christ. And what? Experience the mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from death. For Paul to say that he has count all things as nothing. It's not because he's not going to chase other things, but he has experienced these five things that we experience. That in all that he chases, even if it seems far, he knows he has victory. Even if things are not working well, he knows he's seated in heavenly places. Even if all things are not working, he still knows that he has a better place and he has victory in Christ. So he could say this, just as we will say it in confidence this evening, that I want to know Christ. And experience that mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from death. That gives me the assurance that I have victory over everything. Is that your earnest prayer this evening? Why don't you celebrate the Lord and rise to your feet this evening? Amen. Let's rise to our feet this evening. And I just want us to pray that prayer one more time. That I may know him and experience the power of his resurrection. God has given us victory. He has highlighted these five areas that we may have the ultimate experience. He has guaranteed us victory. So why don't you go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for victory over everything that you may be going through this evening. That just as he has made us to be seated in heavenly places, that he will give us victory in every areas of our life. That this ultimate experience of knowing him, that we will be partakers of it in every day of our life. That I may know Jesus Christ and experience the power that raised Jesus Christ from death. He has set us free from every bondage, from every fear, from every limitation. He says, for we are buried in corruption, but we are raised in corruption. We are buried in weakness, but we are raised in victory. Whatever it is that you are buried in, Christ is raising us to victory this evening in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And so Lord in heaven, we thank you this evening because your word has come with power. We pray that for everyone that have buried their weaknesses with you, Lord will pray for victory from heaven in the name of Jesus. That the resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from death 
We thank you because we are partakers of this ultimate experience in the name of Jesus. That for the rest of our lives, we will walk with the understanding that we are in Christ and seated with him and all the victories of the world are under our feet in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we are praying. Why don't you praise the name of the Lord? God be praised in Jesus' name. All right.